0: Welcome to the 96th episode of the Young Terps podcast from the Viner 4 studio. This is your host, Mason Viner.
1: And your co-host, Jordan Viner.
0: And on today's podcast, we're talking Maryland's win over the Ohio State Buckeyes, and of course, all of your non-rev news. But before we get into all that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland and serving the entire DMV, contact Allied today for a free, no obligation quote at 301-986-0067 or visit them at AlliedPartyRentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown.
1: Want well, to start things off as always here. The Lady Trips narrowly defeated Minnesota seventy-one to sixty-nine at Xfinity Center. The game was saved by Kayla Charles as she scored both the game tying and game winning basket in the last ten seconds. The team trailed by as much as twenty, sorry, by as much as sixteen points in the third quarter before rallying for the win. A uh, huge strong of endurance for the team.
0: Yeah, great run and was everywhere, Kayla Charles. An amazing push at the end of the game to give Maryland that win. They will head out to Purdue for a 630 tilt on BTN tomorrow.
1: Moving right along here, wrestling lost to number sixteen Rutgers, twelve to twenty-five on Friday at Xfinity, but then rebounded with a win at Ryder on the road twenty-two to sixteen. They are now two and twelve to finish the regular season, but they will compete in the National Collegiate Open. On Friday, before they wrap it up for good,
0: yeah, moving on to gymnastics, who lost three of who placed third of the four teams in the big five match on Friday, losing to Nebraska, Iowa, and Penn State, while defeating Michigan State to advance to six and six on the season, next up, the team will go to George Washington on Friday to complete against g w and b y u Tennis lost their fifth match of the season against Columbia yesterday, six matches to one. Next up is a home match against William and Mary on Friday in College Park.
1: Um, I'm not going to try to say her name, but I'll just say her initials. V.O., a women's golfer, was named Big Ten Co-Golfer of the Week of the last week. She's put this honor with a player from Michigan. Um, softball split this weekend in the Amy S. Harrison Classic in Riverside, California. They beat UC Riverside and UNLV while losing to Portland State and also UC Riverside. Next up for them is the Carolina Classic down in Chapel Hill, where they will play George Washington, FAU, North Carolina, and UNC Greensboro over the course of next weekend.
0: Baseball opened up their home slate this season with a sweep of the Maine Black Bears, Winning by a combined score of eighteen to nine over the three games, they will travel to Richmond to face VCU for only one game on Tuesday, and I think they've already played and beat VCU this season.
1: I think you may be right about that. So that is an odd blip in the schedule. Um, Moving right along here, the number three women's lacrosse team won a show-stopping marquee matchup against number two UNC today at Capital One Field, thirteen to twelve in double overtime. Maryland was up 9-4 to four at halftime before finding themselves down 12-11 to 11 in the fourth. The team would prove to be made of championship-level material, though, as they would force overtime and win early in the second overtime period. Just a fantastic win for the program and a big chapter in one of the bigger rivalries of women's across now.
0: Yeah, it might be the biggest. I actually watched a lot of this game today on BTN, flipping between it and the Caps win. Both of them ended up pretty positive overtime uh, wins for the two teams. Uh, this game has some controversy around it. Obviously, North Carolina made a deep push into Maryland territory after the Terps turned the ball over in the final seconds. There might have been a foul, but I think the clock was run out. But that's contrary to what apparently a lot of UNC people think. A really strong game for Maryland, obviously surrendering the lead. They were up multiple times by four or five goals, but you know it's a it's a sport where those things kind of happen and. Maryland-North Carolina is almost always a close game, and today just added to that.
1: Yep, and um, our last little bit on the non-rev rundown here, or actually to wrap the last one up, women's Across will travel to UMBC on Tuesday, so if you want to hit up the road to catch that one, it will be at 5. Um, I'm sure you won't be the only chart fans heading up that way if you decide to head out. And I mean, 6.30 bit... is
0: brutal enough, but come on, 5.00?
1: Uh, well, if you if you do attempt to head up to Catonsville for that one, then you earn my respect. Um, the also number three ranked men's lacrosse team beat Navy 14-9 to yesterday on the road. I didn't see this one, Mason, but it seemed like a pretty solid effort for the Turps.
0: Yeah, I got to see some of this game. I know Bruce went out there. We talked a little bit about it. On the post-game show after yesterday's game, Lewis Dubik gives the Terps five goals. Bruce kind of thinks he's settling into the Dylan Maltz role playing between Jared Bernhardt and Logan Woznowskis. Uh, I'm not too sold on it, but Lewis Dubik's definitely making some big plays along with Woznowskis. Maryland's just really hard to cover for any opposing team, especially a team like Navy that might not have the top-tier talent. Uh, Navy... Fought hard as always. Justin Shockey at the faceoff X for Maryland dominated just another win for this team. And luckily enough, this one wasn't quite as much of a nail biter as the last couple of games have been next up for the Terps. They go to South Bend for what's always a defensive matchup against the number eight Notre Dame fighting Irish who lost to Richmond who Maryland beat earlier this year. And that game can be seen on ESPNU. And I think it's next weekend.
1: Yeah, I think it's next Saturday. And our last piece before we get to the big game is DJ Moore's number 23 has been retired by his high school in Philadelphia. And, I mean, that's pretty cool. I don't think anyone grows up thinking their, their numbers can be retired anywhere. But when it happens, it's really special. Uh,
0: to confirm that lacrosse game is next Sunday at noon on ESPNU. But, yeah, for DJ Moore, that is a really high honor uh it's definitely what you strive for and he goes to a pretty um prestigious football school up in philly so it's just a huge honor for dj Moore. and you know it's sure there's more to come definitely a lot more accolades for him i think he made did he make all rookie this year
1: i believe he did although i'm not sure about that i wouldn't be surprised
0: I mean, he's just—he's off to a great start in the NFL. He had a great career at Maryland, and this is just kind of like that first – it's kind of like the end of the first chapter of his football career.
1: That's a nice way to put it there. I think that's all of our miscellaneous items for today, Mason, and it's time to move on for Maryland's – it feels like a much bigger win than it was to me, win over Ohio State.
0: You see, that's what a lot of people – actually, I, I'm going to say that's wrong. I think this was a huge win. It's their first game at home in a while. It's their first weekend home game in a long time. Uh, I think the attendance was around 17,450. There were around 500 tickets that Maryland still had. Um, The actual number is 17,569. It's just, it was such a big crowd and just a really, kind of a lot of people that I guess don't get to go out to a lot of the weekday games, really eager to see a Maryland game. And it's that, game that you kind of have the feeling of if we win we're really going to start something we're really going to push for that you know maybe not first in the Big Ten and obviously first is looking a lot harder now than really ever after Michigan State beat Michigan it gives you that we're going to jolt into the second half of or the this final stage of the season we're going to push we're going to we are somebody that a team should be happy to beat we are you know, a ranked team that's real. We beat somebody that was ranked on the road finally, and now we're going to come back and we're going to win against Ohio State, who's a very respected team in the national picture.
1: To um, confirm what we said earlier here, that was Maryland's first Saturday home game, or Sunday home game for that matter, since we played Radford on December 29th.
0: Yeah, that's that's absolutely ridiculous.
1: That's, That's horrible. I don't... I mean, I it's ridiculous from a conference
0: this. perspective of how the Big Ten does not realize that if you give Maryland a home game on the weekend, you're guaranteeing a crowd of almost, in my opinion, above 15,000 at least. Well, it's... It's just stupid. Indiana. It's stupid for the conference, one, because it's one of their bigger basketball schools. It's definitely one of their biggest drawing basketball schools. It might not be their best you know, actual basketball school. You have a team that in the past four years averaged above 16,000 every year but last year. So in the first mellow year, second one, third one. And then last year, they did take a dip in attendance. And then this year, Maryland's only averaging because of this around 13,000 a game, which is absolutely absurd and just doesn't need to happen from a scheduling perspective.
1: Well, we played Indiana on Friday night at home, but that's not, not not really the same in my opinion. No,
0: Friday night is worse than any other weeknight.
1: Uh, for the most part, I think that's true, yeah. I think that... Oh, wait, wait, wait. We played Illinois at home on Saturday. Yeah, but
0: that, that game's not on...
1: I, I know. I'm t- kidding.
0: Yeah. And there's another thing that I need to say about that Illinois game. Every Big Ten team... So seven of the other Big Ten teams will lose a home game, or six of the other ones will lose a home game to a game in Madison Square Garden. There are a lot of people that are saying that Maryland organized to give up that home game. Yes, Maryland wanted that home game, wanted to play in Madison Square Garden. But regardless of if it was Kevin Anderson that did it, or if it was Damon Evans, or whoever you want to say did it, it was going to happen. Maryland and every other Big Ten team will have to play in Super Saturday at Madison Square Garden. So no, Maryland did not necessarily set that up. They might have been volunteering to play there, but every Big Ten team will have to play in Madison Square Garden for a conference game. And that is in a written contract for Big Ten Super Saturday at Madison Square Garden.
1: Yeah, and uh, I miss Saturday games as much as the next guy, and hopefully... Next season, we get a more favorable slate. It just—it has
0: to happen. It's absolutely it's, absurd. It
1: happened. It happened. It's over. It's just it's dumb. It's just
0: plain dumb, and it's on. And Maryland didn't help themselves with the Donnie Marshall thing or any of that. Like, it's
1: just stupid. Just stupid. Right, let it go. It's over. Hopefully next year will be better. And if it's not... If it's not better
0: next year, then you're shooting yourselves in the foot for ticket sales. You're shooting yourselves in for concessions. St- I mean... It, it's beyond dumb. I don't care if the conference gives you any, but you have your own power in scheduling to give yourself some Saturday games.
1: That is a debatable claim, but... That's
0: not a debate. Who makes the schedule, Jordan? Who makes the, big, the non-conference schedule? The big
1: ten- non-conference isn't that bad, actually. Non-conference, we played a few Saturday games. We played Seton Hall on Saturday, and we played Penn State at home on Saturday. Like, it wasn't that bad during non-conference. it's just during the conference schedule. We had this huge stretch where we didn't play any... Saturday games.
0: If you are Maryland, you have to demand your case for weekend games, or at least for weeknight games that don't start at
1: 6.30. Look, I, I don't know what's the 6.30 thing. I really don't know who that's benefiting. It, even the Big Ten, population-wise, we know is centered in the central time zone, which means these games are at 5.30 here, which is really awkward, even for someone like me who doesn't have a full-time job, who's just doing homework all the time. It's still really awkward. I don't know why they're I don't know who's benefiting that.
0: It's just dumb, but let's let's move on to the actual game. Uh Maryland beat Ohio State by ten seventy two to sixty two in a pretty I would say almost a high scoring game for Maryland this season, even though they do average uh I don't know what it is, probably now up to seventy one. It was seventy point six last time I looked. But it was definitely a different kind of first half. There wasn't twenty five to twenty anything. It was thirty three to twenty eight. It was a pretty regular scoring game. In terms of Maryland's overall game, Eric Ayella went out at halftime. He was sick, so he did not return. He only played ten minutes, which is the only really odd thing that happened with Maryland, and Sorrell Smith really stepped up in a big way.
1: Well, that explains what my bigger notes from this game is we saw some weird lineup combinations throughout this game. Um The first half was very energy-driven, very momentum-driven, in my opinion. We had a lot of ebbs and flows. There was a lot of threes falling early in the first. Anthony Cowan had a fantastic first half. At halftime, he was, let me bring it up here, he was four for six, two or three from deep with ten points. Bruno didn't score until there was about five minutes left in the first half. He only Oh, never mind. He didn't score in the first half. That was my Yeah, bad. he did
0: He did not score in the first half.
1: Neither to Eric Ayala, Aaron Wiggins, and Terrell Smith were both big off the bench. It was just a weird first half. It was a very, like I said, very ebb and flow. Great game of runs. Bruno Franda, though, was passing, like Patrick Mahomes in the first half.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of people love to uh, point out, you know, Bruno didn't score in the first half. Maryland still played through him. It was still get Bruno a touch, you know, play that style of basketball it just Ohio State was very focused and um the Weston brother the big one it's not Andre it's the other one Caleb he's a big guy I mean he wears you down especially when he has he's at the height of his energy I believe Bruno described it as what does that guy have on 60 pounds yeah so early in the game Bruno wanted to move around a lot kind of tire him out run you know the baseline get a quick touch pass the ball play through him But he didn't necessarily have to be the one scoring. The shots were still falling from other people. And then the second half, he ended up with, what was it, Um, 5 of 9, 10 boards, and I think it was 12 points. You know, he gets to then get those touches because Ohio State kind of moves off of him a little bit, and then he can really play his game.
1: Um, Let's see, what else is there to mention? Well, the, there was that stretch in the second half from, I believe, like the 12-minute mark, a little a little bit past that, where um, Anthony Cowan got super hot from the field and started making everything, and the Turps had like a 16-point lead. And then by the 8-minute timeout, the lead was down to 5 points.
0: Yeah, and then it got as low as 2. And I kind of described that a little bit on the post-game show, which is up on terptalk.com, about how I see that. Maryland really plays— I'll give them they play two sets well, one of which is their normal one, which is move the ball down low, kind of an inside-out game. The other one is when Maryland either has Lindo or Morcell playing power forward. And they stretch the floor out a little bit more. Morcell, obviously, when he's power forward, that's kind of your closeout. That's Maryland's closeout game when the other team's really trying to make a run. They pull Jalen Smith out for uh, defensive reasons because – the other team usually goes to a four-guard set, so Maryland matches up on defense. So that way, with that lineup, they can salt the game. They salt the game away. Daryl Morsell's good enough and as a rebounder and kind of as that alternate power forward to play that. The other one is when Ricky Lindo comes out, and he, they stretch the ball out and play him as more of a wing. And no, he doesn't score a lot. I think he had two in this game. But it still works, or it works well enough. But when Maryland goes to that hold the ball, The old mellow offense is kind of like how I'd like to describe it. It's always been a Mark Turgeon thing. They always go to it early, run the clock down to 10 seconds, then try and, you know, get a good shot, which barely ever happens. They go to it too early, and with this team, to be plain and simple, it ends up with Cowan or Fernando or, and on the rare occasion where someone else even gets up a shot in that, they're throwing up a three or a deep two or a terribly contested shot you get the general picture it just doesn't work or it works but they go to it way too early I
1: gets think it's as a fair a statement as any bottom line though Ohio State cut the lead down to two with about five minutes left Maryland woke up on defense and then Aaron Wiggins had that monster tomahawk dunk in the lane with that 230 left to basically salt the game away it was it was closer than it should have been, but I don't think anyone's gonna complain with the end result here. No,
0: and Bruce said when I after I pretty much said that same thing that I went on, it was just a little bit shorter. Bruce said, you know, I'd never like to be too critical in a win, and that kind of applies to this game. No, it wasn't picture esque, or it actually was. There were a lot of big plays. No, it wasn't a blowout. But you still got that feeling that Maryland was actually good while you were watching this game. Yes, they let Ohio State back in the game. Yeah, they didn't slam the door in their face and, um, you know, step on them. But no, I, there really wasn't that point where you were like, Maryland's going to lose this game. The whole time, I was thinking, even with Maryland's slow start, they're winning this game. Even when Ohio State comes back, and I'm a guy that kind of thinks when that happens, you're done. Like, you're finished. You're not coming back. If they, if you were up 16, then it goes down to 2, you're losing the game. This one, I really didn't have that feeling.
1: Uh, I kind of did. There were points in this game, especially when it got down to like 2 points where I was thinking they are going to blow it. But they didn't. And as Bruce said, don't want to be too critical in the win, so let's just move on to what actually went down on the stat sheet here.
0: Yeah, and let's start off with Maryland's leader in minutes on the game, which was Anthony Cowan, who had 19 points on 6 of 10 shooting, 3 for 4 from deep, 4 for 5 from the free throw line, 4 boards, 4 assists, 4 turnovers, a block, and his plus-minus, which we're now adding plus-minus to this, was plus 7. Really strong game from Cowan, even though still after the game, he seemed a little bit down on himself.
1: I don't think he can be up on himself. He just, he never seems to have good things to say about his own game. But Anthony Cowan was a driving force of for this game. I don't think there's any mistake about that.
0: Yeah, a strong performance. Again, makes some big shots. He just makes plays. He really does. I, I almost don't even know what else to say. It's just, he's a playmaker that does a lot of good things for this team. And it's kind of that guy that Maryland needs. Uh, Eric Ayello. Was 0 for 1. Again, he went out sick at halftime, two rebounds and assists, no points. He was plus 6 on the day, though, so we'll just, well, we won't even talk about it. He played 10 minutes.
1: It, it's like an incomplete score for him. He he Yeah, he only played 10 minutes. He was sick, and that's kind of it. He was covered for by Ross Smith and Anthony Carrott having good games.
0: Another guy for the Terps who had a nice game was Daryl Morsell, who actually had 11 points in this game on 2-for-8, shooting 1-for-4 from 3, 6-for-6 six six from the free-throw line, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, a foul, a couple of turnovers, a block, 2 steals, and all that in 31 minutes, and he was a plus 11 for the day. So a really strong performance for Daryl Morsell.
1: And yeah, Daryl Morsell almost got a double-double there with his rebounds and points. Look, he wasn't efficient from the field by any stretch with going 2-for-8, but that three-pointer he hit was a big one it was actually when ohio state was on their run to cut the lead down and morsel hit a counter three that kept the lead in good standing at least for a little bit so it's it's hard to fault him too much for his bad shooting he was a good contributor he filled in well for sticks when he wasn't having a great game so he gets a passing grade for yesterday
0: yeah i think it was really strong game for morsel Let's move to Maryland's big man, Bruno Fernando, who had 14 points on the day, all of which came in the second half, five for nine shooting, four for five from the free throw line, 10 rebounds, four assists, three fouls, two turnovers, a block and a steal and all that in 35 minutes. And he actually had still actually not the game high, plus minus with plus 13. Bruno just keeps coming with the double doubles.
1: Yeah, Bruno... Had a bit of a quiet first half, though. I said he was passing extremely well from the post. Um, he had a good game, 14 points. He could have – only thing I would say better he could have done better is he could have quelled Ohio State's offensive rebounding better in a couple possessions. Yep. But other than that, it was good enough. I wish he would have scored a little bit in the first half, but we were winning, and he scored when we needed to score.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It was a tough game for Maryland's other post player, Jalen Smith, who had 5 points, 2-for-5 shooting, 0-for-2 from 3, 1-for-2 from the line. Only 4 rebounds, 3 fouls, 4 turnovers, 2 blocks in 23 minutes, and he had a plus-minus rating of plus-1. Jordan, I just I don't know what to say anymore, but I did get an interesting take from somebody yesterday on Jalen Smith which was that someone who gets to the game early enough to see the warm up said he just doesn't catch the ball. He just doesn't he just doesn't have that same grab when they go through the dunk lines and the layup lines. He just doesn't you know squeeze the ball hard enough. He just has a really soft touch with it and you can see that a lot when he loses rebounds and I mean he has great hands catching the ball but it just it just Nothing about him to me anymore seems smooth.
1: Yeah, I think his confidence has been rattled by the last few games for him. And as Dan Dockett said on the ESPN broadcast, which if you watched at home, they had some very entertaining technical difficulties to start the game. Um, but
0: I don't know if a lot of people saw that because they, I don't think the game was on ESPN until...
1: No, it was on ESPN News because... Um, yeah, you know, I know. I had remember. the
0: Tennessee LSU Double overtime game up on my computer, waiting for the Maryland broadcast to start, and I think it was—I don't even know—probably till right. It Randy. was like twelve minutes in, yeah, and
1: actually started on ESPN. But you could watch it on ESPN News from home. Anyway, um, Dan Dockich, who I oftentimes find myself very angry with when he's doing games, different story, made a good point that Jalen Smith just seems to go at half speed sometimes, and that's not necessarily an effort thing. But it is an intensity thing. If you watch him and Bruno play against, next to each other, you notice the difference, I think, very quickly in that Bruno just seems to get after it so hard and it doesn't always go well. He gets in foul trouble. He turns the ball over sometimes. But he gets the most out of his minutes while well, Sticks... I don't think it's... Again, I don't think it's an effort thing. I think it's just he's afraid of something. I think he maybe he's afraid he's going to mess up or he's afraid he'll overcommit. But... Whatever the case, he needs to find his intensity again. He needs to find his confidence again. And there was to get back to your point, Mason, he does definitely grab the ball. He does not rebound as well as he used to. I don't know what happened to that either.
0: There was a play in this game where I think Jalen Smith got an offensive rebound off a free throw. He got a rebound off of something. And instead of just kicking the ball out, making the easy play, he got a charge. Jordan, do you know what play that, that I'm talking about? I,
1: I think I... I'm trying to remember. I think I do. Although, I think it might have been Tomajic.
0: No, it was not. Know. It was not Tomajic. It was Jalen Smith.
1: All right, if you say so. Um,
0: and it was one of the most... Ri- like, just... I just don't know what he was doing. It looks like he didn't... He just was kind of lost with the ball, so he just r- rammed into somebody.
1: It's... It, it's it's frustrating to watch to
0: because I've seen... We've all seen how good Jalen Smith can be. It's just kind of, a, it's almost mind-boggling how it just doesn't just doesn't work sometimes. But when it does, it's good. And when it doesn't, luckily enough, Ricky Lindo and Daryl Morcel and even Tomaych with his what was it, one minute in this game, you know, they can fill in. They're not as good as even close to as good as a full strength Jalen Smith, but. It it worked or worked well enough on Saturday for the win.
1: Yeah, it's frustrating to watch, and I don't know what else to say. That at this point, maybe he is hurt. I, I can throw that out there. I don't something's know. Something's up with Jalen Smith, and hopefully, whatever it is gets figured out soon. But I mean, we won anyway. I guess let's move on here. I just said Tamayo one minute didn't record a stat.
0: Yeah. Ricky Lindo, only two points on the day, one for three. 0 for 1 from three, uh, four rebounds, two fouls, 14 minutes. Uh, he was a zero in the plus-minus. You know, this just kind of – it's Ricky Lindo's role, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think we have gotten to the point where we can abandon all I'll hope, for Ricky Lindo developing some offense this season. He, he's, hey. he does his role. That's kind of what – that's kind of all I
0: can say. I honestly, even though it was an air ball, was pretty happy when he threw up that three.
1: I mean, at least we finally, it's like when you ask somebody out and they say no, like at least you know what happens, or at least we know what happens when he tried.
0: And I still think he should shoot them. Not, not all the time. I know they give him, but they're open the whole game. And there is one thing that I did notice. After he took that three, you know what the Ohio State defense did?
1: I assume they moved out on
0: him. At least looked at him when he got the ball out there.
1: I suppose you got a point with that. Took
0: so maybe even, you know, one step out. Just because he took one. It might have been an air ball. I don't really care. At least they move towards him. Maybe they even, you know, maybe that's not even a full step. I just, I don't really care. At I least just...
1: they take their eyes off the ball then.
0: You know what? If I was Ricky Lindo... I know the coaches probably say, you know, if you shoot a three, you're coming out. If they don't even look at me, like if they don't even take a step at me, I would be just – I kind of – honestly, I would be pissed and I would want to shoot a three, but I'm sure that's what they want, so that's not what you would do.
1: He, he – he, we, we haven't seen enough evidence that he can shoot to encourage. I've seen him
0: in practice. He can shoot. But, again, they can – kind of they all can shoot and shoot around in practice.
1: Well, I mean, I can go to a gym and make a three-pointer. No, you can't. Half the time you cannot.
0: What are you saying? No way. No way, Jordan. Sit- you walk yeah. out on the court and shoot a three, and it goes in half of the time, which I know you said half of the time.
1: That's what I said, half the time. Because it's easy to make a three when you're sitting there by yourself, but when you're in a game and everybody's watching you and you have to make it or else you, you know, it's bad for the team as a whole. It's a different story, and for the record, Ricky Lindo is 2 for 10 on the season from 3.
0: For the record, I think we're going to have to go play basketball, because I do not think that's true. But whatever.
1: I don't know what the sample size is. Also, he's 50% from the line, too. It could be improved.
0: It could. Uh, He doesn't, like, I don't know. For me, I really like Ricky Lindo. I will say that now, so I'm not going to, obviously, I'm not going to be overly hard on him. I feel like he doesn't really play offense. Like, it's really hard for me to say he's not a good offensive player. Maybe not right now, but he's also, I feel, and this is a coaching thing, and it is a coaching thing that I think every coach would do. I'm not really ragging on Mark Turchin right now. A player like Lindo goes out, and he doesn't have a good offensive game. One game, but he's a freshman, and you were kind of on the edge of him. As a coach, you were on the edge of whether he should be shooting or not. From that point on, I might say, Ricky, your role is this, and you shoot the ball three times a game, and hopefully you make one of them, but you play really hard on defense, you're really fast, you're good with the ball, Like you you have all these good positives, so you're still going to play, but we don't really want you to shoot. I feel like that's what most coaches do, and really what it does is it doesn't really give that player much of a second chance, or maybe it was you know three games, and he didn't really play well, and he didn't really shoot it. and. You know, there there is a, there are reasons why something like that would happen. Just saying. He's not really, I don't really think he's that even involved in the offense. It's just not really his job right now, which is perfectly not, fine.
1: Yeah, he's not. He's not a shooter. And he, again, uh, yeah, at this point in the season, you're out of time to experiment with things. He gives you good minutes. He's not a liability, really. So let him play his role and hope you don't need him to do more.
0: All right, let's move on to Aaron Wiggins, who only had seven points in this game, but he made some big plays on three of four, shooting one of two from three, three rebounds, a foul, a couple of turnovers, all of that. He played 30 minutes in this game. He's starting to really get up there in minutes, and he was a minus one, so he's our first minus guy because we did not read Joshua Tomajic, who actually had the biggest minus from around, which was minus two.
1: I feel like Wigg had a bigger game than he did.
0: Well, he made the electric dunk. He also had a really nice three. It's... I'm almost disappointed that he only shot the ball four times. Because I feel like he's... He has a really nice shot. He had the... He's not... You know what? I can... You know how I know why you said that? Because I can name the three baskets he made. He made the dunk. He made a big three. And he made a step in two. Off a loose ball. Those are the three shots... That's how that's why it feels like that, because you can just go through and say these are the three shots he made. He made three big shots.
1: He he's not a volume scorer. He's quietly efficient. He makes a lot of threes for how many he shoots. And he is he seems to disappear into the game a lot of the times. Cause at the same time, yeah, I remember every shot he made. And they seem like big baskets, but he also scored. He also played 29 minutes, and then we shot the ball four times.
0: Yeah. Um... There
1: was actually a time in the game, I remember this, where I was like, I was looking at who was on the floor, and I actually didn't even notice he was there for a minute. So I was like, it was a lineup with Ant and straw Smith, and probably Ricky and Bruno, just based on the time of the game. And I was trying to find the third, third or I was actually trying to think who else could be in the game. And I was like, oh, Wiggins is probably on the floor he just doesn't he's not a, a very loud player
0: no you're right about that and with that let's get to at least my player of the game jordan i don't know if you also will agree with me sorell smith stepped up in a big moment for him 14 points four of seven shooting one for three from deep five for seven from the free throw line a rebound an assist a foul a turnover 19 minutes he leads the Turfs with plus 15 in the plus-minus category, but he did it. He stepped in. He's one of those bench guys that just he needed to step up today, and he did.
1: He finally had a breakout-style performance. Well,
0: uh, hold on. All right. I don't want to say it's a breakout performance because it's not like he everyone was healthy. I guess you can call it that. I just I always see the breakout performances when he's on the bench and everyone's healthy and he just comes out and starts just nailing shots, but I'll give it to you. You can call it a breakout performance.
1: I don't really agree with that at all. I think breakout performances are born of opportunity, and yeah, Eric Ayla was sick. He sat at the second half, and Sorrell was given the minutes, and he cashed in on them, and that catches a breakout for me. You
0: know what? Yeah, you're right. You're right.
1: Uh, um, But anyway— We've all seen the flashes of scoring potential from him. And this was the first game where it really actually looked like he could capitalize on it. He was one for three from deep. So it wasn't all from three this time. Four of seven from the field. Five of seven from the line. That's a big one for me. He finally got to the free throw line consistently, which is a big thing for Maryland guards to do. Just always has been. And he scored way more than he normally would. He scored big baskets. He helped us in runs. He was the biggest part of our um, run to start the second half. And for me, if he can keep up even half of this production, then it unlocks this team finally. Because I think one of our biggest problems right now is even though Sorrell Smith you know, gets 10 minutes a game or so, we still need Anthony Cowan on the floor for almost the entire game, on the ball for almost the entire game, because he's... For me, still, he's really the only guy I trust to take big shots for this team. To Callen. create his own shots in that regard.
0: You're talking about Cowan? Yeah. I still think he is, even if Sorrell comes on.
1: And I'm not disputing that, I, but I also think it could give him some rest in the middle of the game, which has still been a thing for us, even though we've gotten some more depth this season.
0: I disagree with you a little bit. Um, As far as, you know, it kind of takes Cowan off the ball. For some reason, I think Ayella could take Cowan off the ball. Maybe Ayella and Sorrell together could take Cowan off the court and off the ball a little bit. But I don't really think Sorell is strong enough on the ball to really take like a few minutes away from Cowan. There he's getting there, but he's not there yet. It's just like his general development. He really, you could see it throughout the season. At the beginning, Turgeon would have said, and he did say, we're not taking Sorrell out because he is a a good player. As the season went on, he was getting a few minutes, you know, putting up three points a game, whatever you want to – I don't really know if that's the exact number. But now you kind of see that he can do more. And it's really what, from a coaching perspective, from a minutes perspective, what you do with the fact that you know he can do more. And that kind of plays into the future of the basketball team, which we'll talk about in a minute. But before we get to that, when you're looking for someone to work on your European car, look no further than Maryland Euro Cars. We have a few Audis in the family and some BMWs at the office, and we take our cars to Christian at Maryland Eurocars. Christian and his team know they're around Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, Bentleys, VWs, and many more makes. Always friendly, courteous, and honest, along with being an extra clean shop. Maryland Euro Cars is the best place to take your prized automobile, and they're the most reasonably priced shop in town. Located in Rockville, you can reach Maryland Eurocars at 301-217-5831. Ask for Christian at 301-217-5831 and tell them that the Young Terps sent you. So speaking of the future, there are actually three games left in this basketball season.
1: And before we get to that, I just want to talk about something that I heard on um, a NC State Wake Forest halftime show today which is they were talking about the Big Ten standings with what happened with Michigan and Michigan State earlier earlier today. And um, their big topic for Maryland as a Big Ten tournament contender was one of the guys, I don't remember who it was, said that he thinks the best thing that Maryland can do to give themselves a chance to do something this season is – Give Anthony Cowan control of the offense back, away from Erica Ayla, and I thought that was interesting because I've kind of thought that too recently. I don't think it works as well when Eric Ayla is running the point. I think Anthony Cowan better off making plays on the ball than off the ball, and that would be one of the reasons he's had such a decline recently.
0: Really quickly, I thought the same thing when they did the when they took it away from Mello and gave it to Cowan, in Mello's junior year.
1: And I think that that move benefit Cowan in the long term, obviously. But I don't. I think if you, I think they're right because it would explain to me a lot of the drop offs you have seen with Anthony Cowan. And I don't know if it's better for the team as a whole, but I think if Anthony Cowan gets his, himself back together into a scorer and a playmaker, then the team as a whole will benefit tremendously. And I think if Anthony Cowan can rediscover. If we can see get the one, version of him that played yesterday and combine it with a consistent Bruno, then you could have a devastating pick-and-roll tandem one and two elite Big Ten players. I don't know what your opinion is on that, Mason, but for me, if I was my tradition, I would consider giving Ant the number one spot back.
0: You know, I completely forgot before you said that Maryland really doesn't do a pick-and-roll game, which I don't really understand. I don't know but...
1: how with Fernando and Count, you do do that. At least sometimes, but that's a different story.
0: But, yeah, I definitely agree with that. It might make sense. That's why Cowan always says he's not been feeling like himself recently. He just doesn't want to – nobody really would want to say, you know, game's kind of changed. It's kind of – I guess as almost in that sense would be the game's kind of gone by me in the way that the game's changed, and I'm struggling to change with it. I personally think – I agree with you. I think that Cowan – should be running point most most of the time. Now, I'm Not going to say all the time, but most of the time when he's on the floor, he should be the one takes the ball up, makes that first move. But that's not as we saw with Mello and Cowan. What was that two two years ago? It's not what Mark Turgeon wants to do. He thinks that in the old case Cowan's a better point guard than Mello, and in this case maybe not. Iel is a better point guard, but it gets Ayello an early touch. Maybe that's what you want. He just wants the early touch for Eric Ayella. There's a million reasons why you would do it, but at this point, I like it the other way, but it's almost a preference thing because they both can do it, and they both do it at a pretty high level.
1: I agree with that. And the other thing I want to touch on as we head into the final stretch of the season here is despite how good Bruno is and how he probably will be first team all Big Ten, which is not luck, actually, because there's a lot of... Really good big guys in the Big Ten, but um, I still feel like the key to the rest of the season is in Anthony Cowan's hands as far as how far we can go.
0: So do I. And really, getting close to wrapping it up here, it is. It's it's in what big plays Cowan can make, but I feel like that's a story that we, you know, kind of address closer to the Big Ten tournament because I feel like you're talking about like tournament play and. Yes, in that case, it's Anthony Cowan. It's what Cowan can do at the top of the key because we all know Cowan's job or Ayala's job or whoever you want to say is to get the ball to Bruno. Bruno can't do it all himself. Cowan, on the other hand, has control. So there you go. I mean, Bruno, as good as he is, he's a big man. What you need is a guard that can play off that big man or that can play in unison with him, which is Anthony Cowan for this Maryland team. Now let's talk a little bit about Penn State before we finish it up. And first off, I'll start off by saying I do not like this matchup for Maryland.
1: Yeah, I don't really either. Penn State, for the first time, let me, let me just go through this real quick. For the first time, since the first two games of the season, Penn State has won back-to-back games. One of those was a twenty four point victory against Nebraska. And, and the two oh well I you gotta talk about the other
0: one too. It's against a really or a team that's been really, really good recently, which was a win on the road against Illinois.
1: Right. And four games ago they beat Michigan. So this is not the same Penn State team that lost, I think, twelve games in the middle of the season.
0: Yeah, something like that. Something like twelve They start off, I think it was 0-11 or 0-12 in the Big Ten. Uh, They've done a great job about turning it around, not really being in last place in the conference anymore. Now that is held by Northwestern, surprisingly enough. We're talking about a Penn State team that's won some big games this year. You already mentioned Michigan. Earlier this year, they beat a good Virginia Tech team, or really good now, I guess, a top-10 Virginia Tech team. Uh, They competed hard against NC State, Indiana, Purdue most recently. There's a lot of competition, I guess, with Penn State. Obviously, they beat Michigan, and they blew out Nebraska, and they beat Illinois. But scrolling through recently from about the Purdue game that they lost on, these are, there are a lot of close games. Even the one that they lost at Purdue, they lost two close games to Purdue. The most recent one was a 76-64 to loss, which is between the Michigan, Nebraska, and Illinois wins. They play a lot of close games, and they've really kind of gotten it, I guess, I don't want to even call it together, because obviously they're still 11-16 and 16 and 12th in the conference, but they've gotten something that's a little bit intriguing to watch if you're a Maryland fan.
1: If you remember the last time I played them, we almost, almost lost to Penn State, by the way. Anthony Cowan made two three-pointers, so we were just talking about Anthony Cowan controlling the team, this is an example. Anthony Cowan made two three-pointers in the last two minutes to win the game. First, it put the team up by six points with 2.14 left, and then Penn State was within two points. Anthony Cowan chucked up a three-pointer as the shot clock expired to clinch the game. It was just a classic. The shot clock ran out, and Anthony Cowan just decided he was going to take the shot, and he made it. And Pat Chambers, who is the coach of Penn State, said Cowan made plays at the end, and that's what great players do. So last time this happened, Anthony Count had to bail us out. And that does not bode well for me.
0: It doesn't for me either. The other thing, and I'm working on finding the rest of it, is Maryland did it, has lost at Penn State the past two years. They don't play well in the small environments, and Penn State is a very, actually, it's a pretty big stadium, but it's a very small basketball crowd. So here here it is. I actually just finished looking through all Maryland's Big Ten years. The first time, the first the inaugural Big Ten season for Maryland basketball, Maryland won at Penn State seventy-six to seventy-three. The next year, which was a sweet sixteen run, they didn't play at Penn State. And then these past two times, meaning the last mellow year and last year, they lost. So Maryland has not played very well at the Bryce Jordan Center. It's just I said it earlier in the year, I forget what game it was about. The same thing. The small crowd, the ugly place, that just not very good for Maryland's hype. Things are a little bit different because Bruno is a big hype man, but still I don't rely on Mark Turgeon to get Maryland basketball really. The word that comes to mind is ready to play, but not ready in a strategy in a strategy way, but ready what in a mean- mental and a toughness, and we're gonna come out, and we're just gonna punch you in the face.
1: I think term you're looking for is jacked up, right? Get them yeah, excited. but it's not quite; it's not
0: getting them jacked up because you can be really jacked up and come out flat in the game. Jacked up is a is a like we're loud before the game. You know, we're really like getting hype, but upstairs, you know, in your head, you're still concerned about it. Getting your team mentally ready. To play is we're just gonna come out and here's what we're gonna do. And we know that we're the better team in our heads, and that is inside of your brain while you're playing is that we're better. We know what we're doing, we're here to play. And sure, we can get, you know, loud and ready to go because that helps a little bit. But upstairs, we're just ready, we're just ready to go. It's a really hard feeling to describe.
1: All right. Well, I'll take your word for it, I guess. Um the last thing we should do here is talk about Penn State's actual team. And as a team, they are unquestionably led by forward Lamar Stevens. Lamar Stevens was a four-star recruit from out of high school. He's in his third season at Penn State now. He leads the team in scoring by an enormous margin, almost seven points with 19 points a game. Eight rebounds also leads the team, two assists he is one of the people I was talking about earlier who could actually steal first team big ten away from Bruno Fernando because he is just everything to this Penn State team.
0: Well, I don't think that's going to happen. It might. Uh, Penn State always got a guy, always has a guy like Lamar Stevens. They had one. I think it was guy's name was Shep Gardner. A few years back, he was really he really scored a lot of points. Last year, when Penn State was in my opinion, probably at the height of their 2000s basketball. I don't know about the early ones, but at least recently. With Tony Carr. And then this year with Lamar Stevens. The guy, and I think what we're really going to talk about, maybe we'll talk about Josh Reeves a little bit. The other guy that you have to hit on is Mike Watkins, who did a great job against Bruno Fernando, even though hurt, he was hurt in the first Maryland game. But he tried, I mean, you can definitely see that he could pose problems for Bruno. Uh, He's a bigger, slower guy, but still... You know, he's like 7'2 or something. He's a really, really tall guy. He could still show Maryland a little bit of issues, but really there's not much to talk about with Penn State other than those two guys.
1: No, they're just, they play hard. Um, they're well coached under Pat Chambers, even though it, it hasn't worked like out
0: this well. I mean, this no. year. But in the um, case of Penn State, and I know Jordan, you got something else probably that you want to get to.
1: It just, this game reeks of trap game to me yes it just does we even though michigan next week we all know that penn state's one of the least one of the least exciting power six schools you could possibly play They only made the tournament nine times over the course of their careers as this program but just watch it that's all i'm gonna say
0: yeah um I really am hesitant to call it a trap game because it's not like Maryland's beat them 10 straight times or whatever. But it is what it is. It's another basketball game. you got to be ready to go. got to be ready to play because if there's any warning, they beat Michigan. That's all you got to look at. That's what you got to put on the whiteboard. This is a team, I don't care how bad they are this year, but they beat a team that's in your position. That's even better than where you are. Michigan, I think, was like number four when they beat them. You just got to put that on the whiteboard. You got to keep it in everyone's mind. You know, hey, they beat Michigan, they beat Illinois. There's two teams that you've lost to that they've beaten recently. You got to keep that in your player's head. You got to get – you just got to get ready, and you got to be ready because it's not – there's no environment that's going to help you out there. There's nothing – there's just quite literally and figuratively, there's nothing there. There's nothing in State College.
1: All right. Um, hopefully Anthony Cowan doesn't have to turn a superhuman performance to beat us or bail us out again. But if he does, then if if he he does, does, he
0: does just go there and win the game and then we can get hype about Michigan.
1: You took word words out of my mouth here. Um, one schedule note that I want to get to before we actually wrap this up is we're going to have a weird lull after the Minnesota game last game of the season because we actually are playing pretty far off from the start of the Big Ten tournament, so we might have, like, a week off. Yeah, we I saw buy. that. Yeah, it's going to be weird. Um, so everybody should watch out for that. If we do get the double bye, it might be a bit of a break for us. And I don't know how it's going to You know, go, but well, heads up.
0: But can you say that it bodes at all? Because Maryland always is bad in the conference tournament. Like, that's just a fact. Like, it's, it was a fact yeah. when Gary was the coach, it was a fact when I don't really know about the – lefty with the ACC tournament, but I know they lost some big games there where that kept them out of the NCAAs. It's been a thing when... I mean, Turgeon's been a little bit better. They had the year where they almost made the tournament where they beat, I think it was Duke, and they lost to Carolina at the buzzer. But even then, there's a bad one that goes like that when they gave the buzzer-beater dunk to Florida State that got them out. They lost to, North, to Northwestern Capital one arena.
1: Yeah, it sucked.
0: Yeah, there, there's a lot of... there's. I really don't know what to say about that. Maryland, if they win, I almost even think if they win two games in the conference tournament, it's been a good conference tournament. So it's really hard. Hey,
1: if they get the double bye and win two games, they're in the championship.
0: I know. I knew that. I just I, yeah, I wasn't thinking about it when I said it. But even if they win one and they make it to the semifinal, I mean, that just at least it keeps it going, just enough to push you to selection Sunday. I think that's a wrap for this podcast. Jordan, do you have anything else?
1: Um, everybody watch Wisconsin because they are half a game behind us, and they play on Tuesday. So th- yeah, that's I think they the got, game to watch. standing got watch.
0: Indiana on Tuesday at 9 on ESPN. Yeah, it's coming okay. down to it. There's actual race to watch, which is a little bit exciting here. But, hey, get it done against Penn State. Then we can move on to the big game on Sunday against Michigan. That's going to do it for this episode of the Young Turfs Podcast. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Viner 4 Gates and Rockville, for all of your business IT needs. Viner 4 Gates is a place to go. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number one, viner.com. Allied Party Rentals, they're the place to go for all of your party rental needs. Tents, chairs, linens, china, they do it all at Allied to set up your perfect party. You can visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com. And Maryland Eurocars. For five-star service on your Audi, BMW, Mercedes, Maryland Eurocars is the place to go. You can reach them at 301-217-5831. That's Christian at Maryland Eurocars. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Young Turfs Podcast. As always, thanks for listening.